If you ask me where are you from, I'll say I'm a Malayali, but I live in Delhi. The foolishness of that statement is I've never lived in Kerala. I've always gone back to Kerala as a tourist. But for me, my Malayali roots are like phenomenal. So I would say I'm a Delhi Malayali. But Malayali has to be there. I'm actually a Delhiite. I mean, if you hear my Hindi, there is, you know, I, I have no problem calling people tu, which I know my friend who's from Lucknow, Box, she said, like, you can't say tu. And I'm like, I only can say tu. The fact that it could be somebody who's harassing me on the bus and I call them Haisa, because that's what we've been taught. I think I'm a curious, I speak a lot of languages and I, I feel that I speak Bengali, I speak Malayalam, I speak uh, Hindi because I know Bengali, I understand Uriya and Assamese, because I speak Malayalam, I understand Tamil. So there is a way in which actually a lot of that stuff is part of me. Um, I find it fun. I find it's a constant challenge. Um, and I don't think I did anything special in any of this. I mean, honestly, I think it was part of my education that... I just grew up somewhere that was shoved somewhere else, went somewhere else, got tossed around. So I think a lot of these things came to me. I don't know how I would make my life any different. I can't imagine it. But I'd like to believe that I will have a new avatar with each phrase. Because for me, I would only find it challenging if I could learn one more skill. For me, that's important. So I'd like, you know, I'd like somebody to randomly think of me as, you know, if it could be possible, if I could be an astronaut, I would. But I, I find it interesting to me right now that uh, I had a friend who, who was doing some work on Dalit and uh, issues and she turned around and said something to me and I was, so I was talking to her about Dalit issues and groups and she said, how do you know all this? You only work on gender sexuality. And I was like, I have a past. Or I have friends who look at some of my reading that I'm doing, which is crass romance novels, which, you know, full of people who meet and fall in love and I love it and so he's, he looked at me and said that's the kind of crap you read and I was like honey what else can I show you and then there is another side to me so I think it's the fun of, of all of this is those multiple identities I mean I'd be terrified if I had only one identity so my thing is that every, you basically if you go through life saying that let's see whatever comes comes and you know we deal with it which is a good thing and a bad thing but yeah for me it's been of roller coaster, difficult but fun. And I don't think I wish it differently. Well, Fat, Feminist and Free actually came from um, stories that have happened to me and which most of those stories seem completely impossible to have ever happened to any human being. Um, you know, random people telling me how I can lose weight, people telling me if I've been to a, asking me if I've been to a mall because they exercise. Machines being stopped at security because I don't, you know, and for the security guards telling me to go through the mail, whatever line, you know, all of that. Some of it are things that happen to people. So I used to recount these stories as funny stories to friends. And then I thought, oh, what the hell, let's just make up uh, Fat Feminism Free. And that's really how it happened, that for Kriya's 7th anniversary, I did the show. Clearly for me, there was no other way. You had to put fat, you had to put feminist. Uh, the difference is since I, free was not the word I'd actually thought of. My first word was fuckless. It was fat, free, um, fat, feminist and fuckless. And I thought fuckless would de lead to many questions. Part of the questions would be, oh my god, really, you mean she's fuckless, etc. I mean, one of that strand. But the other was also that, you know, I could be caught for obscenity using the F word. So that's why it became free. And I was like, it's, I don't particularly care for the word free. Um, 
It's been amazing doing the show. Uh, I haven't done it in some time now, but do I have negative reactions? No, I don't. Because actually, every single person goes through stigma and discrimination, whether they're thin, whether they're large, whether they're small, long hair, short hair, all of it works. Um, so everybody sort of listens. I think what it does to the audience is that some of them get very uncomfortable because it suddenly recalls, they recall their own stories of having said these things to people. There are times when I find it, I might have said something and I know that then actually there's been one occasion where the story has come back in my head as I performed and I realized that I ended up sounding defensive and angry. Um, and that's probably been the only time, only one time in a, uh, in one of the arguments that I know, one of the question answers. But otherwise, it's been an amazing, amazing uh, way to <coughs> do theatre. I mean, uh, do stand up and do comedy also because I think that comedy gets you laughing, it gets you squirming, and because the comedy is not directed at the person in the audience, it's actually my stories, which I'm telling you, or my take of existing stories, which are anyway funny by themselves. So I actually have stopped calling it a comedy show because I feel that I get into the back bracket of Peter Russell and Neil Das and who actually live off the fact that they make fun of others. And I'm not making fun of others, I'm making fun of myself. And yes, I'm making fun of others, but in their reaction to me. I mean, these are words and for me it's like, I, I don't think I, uh, unless I'm at a government meeting and I think it's important to use these words, so I would possibly then think of the words as words. But these are things that are actually describing me, um, and I and for me it's important that all of us start using these words publicly. I mean, instead of couching it on, you know, you're healthy, so it's fat. I mean, it's you know, there's no imagination. I can cover myself however much I want, but you, you know, you have to be visually challenged to not notice I'm fat. Um, so I think that there is a way in which, for me, it's been integral to asking uncomfortable questions, um, like you know, what I was saying in the beginning of just being able to challenge. Um, and it's not so difficult. I, I think that if you have to be confident that what you're asking is important enough. Um, and if you do it, then, and you do it well, it works. I, what works for me is the fact that I am a people person and the fact is that I do use a lot of humor. So then you sort of blunt the blow. And uh, I'm actually talking about myself. So, you know, really, you can't turn around and say you can't do this. So that's how it works for me. I think the very fact that I exist and I stand in front of a workshop uh, with an unconventional body, um, dressed unconventionally for people apparently my size, uh, is in itself I feel a challenge. I think that the fact that as, as a body I am not the right body size, as a woman I don't look womanly enough, as a woman I have a lot of facial hair. So I anyway challenge any form of idea that you have of who this woman should be when I stand up in front. Um, for me, I do, I've always done trainings on gender and sexuality and sexual rights and identities for probably since the mid-90s. I can't imagine doing it any other way. As I said, that a lot of it is standing up and talking about stuff which you're seeing around you and my own stories because as a trainer, I feel that if you cannot bring yourself into the conversation while discussing gender and sexuality, you have no right to ask participants to tell you their lives. Because it, they're basically sharing all kinds of things. So 
Body image for me is something that has taken me a really long time to come to peace with it. I think I've gone through all the peer pressure, I've gone through the thing of saying, oh my God, I'm not good enough, you know, whatever. Um, even as, even when talking about heterosexuality, I don't think I, if, if, you know, I never identified as anything but heterosexual for a large part of my life. Um, so for me, it's challenging heterosexuality in terms of what it defines for how women should live their lives. No premarital sex, no being forward, you know, all of that. So I was challenging it then. And then uh, I think when I came, my identity as queer, which earlier I, I used the word lesbian because I'd like to make people uncomfortable. Um, and so therefore I would throw that into the melting pot. And depending on how sticky the audience is, then definitely lesbian. Otherwise, it would be just queer because that's I feel that's more what I, uh, you know, that's how I would talk. But in those circles, then I would talk about my heterosexual uh, uh, background because I think it's important to, to stir that pot. It's not that everyone grows up with one identity and you know they all live in that identity. So for me, it's I am challenged all the time on hundred things. You know, I don't think I have answers for anything. My, my way of dealing with that is to throw the questions right back at people and say, you know, guys, this is something that you're going to have to deal with. And body image particularly because I work with a lot of young people and I think it's shameful that any of them have to go through what a number of us went through when we were in our 20s or our teens, that we repeat the cycle of repetition. It's just like unbelievable how every generation goes through it. It's unfair. For me, body image is something that I'm constantly having to grapple with for myself and therefore with the people that I work with, I'm constantly pushing them to think differently. Given the number of trainings that I've done, I have a number of people who think they know me really well because I do talk of my personal life. So that's one of the things you have to be careful about because everyone assumes that you've now told them your personal life, you're their best friend. The point is you're not. You're just a very good trainer. So. Um, and know what you're talking about. So get your stuff sorted out. So when someone tells you that they actually are into BDSM, you don't flinch. Be able to say vagina, penis, all the other words that you need in with equal ease as you would say eyes, hands. Because I think many or very often the problem is not with the content, it's about our own discomfort as a trainer. There are no answers that anybody has, least of all trainers. Uh, that everything is great and be willing to admit that everything is great. When somebody is placing something before you, it they're not expecting you to give answers and if they are, disabuse them of the idea right at the start that that is what is going to happen. Um, <coughs> always position yourself in that conversation as an equal participant. Um, because if you're not going to do that, then you really have no right to be a trainer. Because you're expecting people to talk, but you want to be close mouth. You decide what you're going to talk. I was doing a training in a rural village in Uttar Pradesh, a rural, very small city. And we were doing sexual acts to get people comfortable. And they came up, a bunch of women, they came up with a list. And my co-trainer turned around and said, so why don't you mention fisting? And I looked at them and said, have you lost your mind? Like, you know, in this small city, why would I start describing fisting? Because in a set, it's not an activity that most people uh, would talk about. And we finished the exercise and then one of the women turned around and spoke to me in Hindi and said, Acha, Didi, we film, film, and proceeded to describe fisting. 
and my jaw just fell open and I was like, okay. And, I, and then I had to think back on was my discomfort to, it was about having to talk about fisting or was it that I felt that they didn't really need to know, it was really my discomfort. And so for me it was very important to turn around and say there are some things I'm uncomfortable with. The other thing which I think was also a huge learning for me is that very often in my trainings, in the earlier things, I would never put out myself as a queer feminist or a lesbian or anything. And so I was doing a training with a bunch of people on gender and sexuality for four days. I got a friend of mine um, to come in and talk about LGBT issues and they gave him hell. They were really nasty to him. And then we had the evaluation session and then they were talking about what, you know, what they felt. And normally in evaluation sessions I sort of listen and say, why oh, did a good time. And I actually turned around and said, you know what, I really feel terrible because I feel that what I did was wrong. I got somebody else in because I didn't want to come out to you. Well, actually, I am lesbian. And now what are you going to do with it? Because he was so nasty to that guy because he was gay. And I think that for me really changed the way I thought because I was like, you know what, I need to put this in. Because if that is my identity and... I am putting somebody else in a position where they are getting everything straight on because people are finding homosexuality different or difficult to deal with and I am standing there behaving blissfully as though this doesn't affect me. So I think a lot of my personal things now I am like alright, so here let's start with the fact that at some point or the other it's going to come out I'm queer and you are going to have to deal with it and actually it works because I think for a lot of people they in their heads have no idea what a lesbian is. And actually at the end of that training where I came out to them, it was really fun that four participants who burst into tears. And they said, we're really sorry. I mean, we're really sorry we realize we've insulted you, but we've never met a lesbian before. And they said, but every time I spoke, I only used the word partner. It was so vague. The, the flip side of that is, I've been at trainings where I've used the word partner throughout and I've had people come out to me and say, oh, you know, even I have a partner. So I feel that you have to be, as a trainer, have to be open. I think a lot of trainers go in with the assumptions that they know the answers and they're going to tell you what it is. Be funny. You have to be funny. You have to be funny because you're talking of stuff which people have never talked about in their life. So if you're not going to explain orgasms to them or you're going to explain sex to them and you're going to be deadly serious, then you're actually trying to, you know, put it into a whole other thing. So, get your fundas right, get out there, be comfortable with your own body, get comfortable about stuff you're talking about, and then do it. If you're not, if you're just going to rely on a manual, please don't do training. Because there's nothing I hate more than people who will say, page number three had this exercise, can I do it? And I've seen that happen, and I feel like it's good in, if there's a shortage of trainers. But otherwise, no, just don't do it. Do something else. Over the last couple of years, while working in sexuality, with sexual rights, looking at identities, I think a couple of things that really got me angry was the fact that the way that everybody wants to know who lesbians are or who trans are, you, you want to know stories. Also post-2009, I was horrified at the way for everybody or for a large section of the queer community life began in 2009. It was like the judgment 
was what was most important and for a number of us who had been talking about this for years uh, or people before like even before my time who you know what put their neck on the line i just feel like what is this oral history we have no oral history and we are the ones at fault i don't i'm not blaming anyone else but i remember for me the point was at some pride meeting where someone said and we are the first in the university and it's like can we stop claiming first you know who is first we don't know so i had wanted to do a, a, a whole project on oral histories of lgbt of lesbian bisexual trans women and men um and i figured that nobody i wasn't being able to get funding to do that and then psbt had then just put out the call and i thought ah why don't i use this so i can present alternate images different stories different identities and then my great egoistic ambition of making the film would also happen that's how the film got made